Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the JJN Show. This week, I sat down with Tyler Webb, a great entrepreneur currently in the digital marketing world and owner of Tyler Webb LLC. Tyler's a cool relationship because I actually met him very briefly. I think it was about two summers ago at an internship we were both at, and we never even had a face-to-face conversation. And so it was one of those things where we both kind of just stayed connected through LinkedIn and social media uh, very briefly. And I decided he needed to be on the podcast after following him for a few years because he's a very inspirational dude and doing really cool stuff. So the conversation starts off with his high school days. And while most of us were probably using social media, I would assume if you're around my age for keeping up with friends, portraying the high school lifestyle to your friends, you know, what we all were doing back then and a lot of us still do now in different capacities. He, on the other hand, was getting into social media as a marketing tool and started out with a theme page on Twitter. And he'll he'll discuss that a little bit as you listen in the podcast and find out what it was exactly was about. But he was actually making money off of this thing. And him and a friend, I should I should make sure I bring that up, him and a friend were running it together in high school and making money off it while I barely knew what marketing was. And so it was kind of cool to hear his start in that and kind of the start of his business entrepreneurship career. But he will also make sure to mention that he did not have it all figured out at this point in time. And so we start in high school, we kind of move his way through college, learn about how he actually went to college for biology which is really interesting considering what he is doing now. But a lot of us do that similar thing, I feel like, in college where we go and we we pick something just because we think we may like it but don't actually know for sure. And it's an interesting world we live in in that we have to kind of figure that out when we're 17, 18. So, but anyways, we trend throughout college, learn about Tyler's different experiences from small world startups to big corporate situations like the one I met him at and kind of navigating what exactly he wanted to do. Like I mentioned, he ended up in the business world, obviously, and eventually because of COVID actually ended up starting his own business. And we'll get into the whys behind that more once you start listening to the podcast. But from there, after we talk about starting his own business and the ups and downs of that, we finally dive into the world of social media a little bit more in depth. And that was a fun conversation highlight for me because I personally love social media. If you follow me on my fitness account and my company account or even JJN show account, you can probably tell I like running social media and it's a fun little side thing for me. However, social media is a lot bigger than Instagram and that's really the biggest extent of experience I have. And so it was cool to hear from Tyler and hear about all of the different ways he's using social media and learn about how there's really a ton that goes into that world of marketing. And I am aware of it and I know know that there is a lot, but it was just really eye-opening. And we go over the mindset that you kind of need to have when you're a budding entrepreneur kind of starting out in social media, whether that's someone like Tyler using um, social media or someone like me just starting out trying to build a brand and getting past engagement. And although that's, yes, engagement on social media is obviously very important because that brings in leads and potentially money and whatnot. What's more important is believing in what you're doing and doing it for yourself with social media. And so we talk about that a little bit. We go over the different ways 
he does measure measure metrics using social media as well. And we also talk about balancing a professor, uh, professional social media account and a personal social media account, which is something I found interesting and the way he balances those two. Uh, and I'm sure you will as well. And then lastly, make sure you listen because there's a ton of information here. You're going to want to take notes, but he leaves us with three great tips towards the end. And you'll make sure you will want to make sure to write all those down. If you have any interest in social media or honestly, any interest in business in general. So, all right, everyone, I hope you enjoy this podcast and the great conversation I had with Tyler. What's up? This is the JJ show with Josh, with Jacob, with Nick. Tyler, thanks for being here. It's great to yep. have you. I appreciate it. You were, we were just talking beforehand that this is our first time probably interfacing, you know, talking, having a conversation with each other, but we had worked together for an entire summer. So I'm glad I, I'm glad I'm doing this and I'm glad we got the opportunity. Yeah. Do you want to just start out and give a brief overview of who you are? Yeah, for sure. So uh, my name is Tyler. I'm initially from Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I came up to Minneapolis to attend school at the University of Minnesota. I recently graduated from the Carlson School uh, with a major in entrepreneurial management and marketing uh, in December. And since then, so starting in January, I have been full-time freelancing, um, contracting uh, digital marketing services. So I work with an whole spread of companies. I do organic social media management. Um, I do paid ads on Facebook and on YouTube. Uh, and like I said, I work with a really wide range of companies from real estate agents to uh, sports trainers to uh, yacht charter companies. So it's like a, a really crazy spread. Um, but the consistent thread through all of that is, you know, doing their digital marketing and, and doing content for them. So I've been doing that full time um, since the first week of January. Uh, and I've been loving it a lot. So yeah, I'm, I'm really big into Instagram in particular, like that's kind of where I live. And so when I, when I see your stuff and the accounts I follow of yours, I just imagine you only doing Instagram. So it, it's good to hear that you, like, obviously I know you do more than that, but it's good to kind of hear how you do more and more of just digital marketing in general. Um, and if I, if I remember correctly, that kind of goes back all the way to high school, right? Like your, your first initial interest in like marketing and social media, right? Yeah, no, you're, you're spot on. Uh, the The story I always like to tell is uh, back in high school, um, I was approached by a friend of a friend who had this uh, Twitter theme account um, called I Live for Football, which is about as kitschy and as like horrible of a name as you could think a 14 year old could come up with um, for a, a Twitter theme account as a football fan. So it was I Live for Football. Um, and he at the time had grown it to 10,000 followers. Um, I think he started like his freshman year of high school and he was, you know, his, his name's Frank Kugel and him and I are still really good friends. Um, and he very entrepreneurial minded as well and very like growth minded. And so even as a sophomore junior in high school, he was looking to build a team around him to like grow this theme page that he was running, uh, which was probably more than a lot of people who were in high school or had pages like that were even thinking about. So he, uh, he was just kind of reaching out to people and, you know, like I said, through mutual connections, we got hooked up. And I had no prior experience running pages like that. And I just thought it was super cool. He had 10,000 followers. I'm like, holy crap, that's a ton, uh, a ton of followers. And I was a huge football fan and I played football in high school. And I was like, this, this sounds awesome. So I started helping out with him uh, and it was really trial by fire. Um, and, you know, he didn't know what he was doing either. We're the same age. So it wasn't like he was my boss or anything, but, you know, we started working together and we started working with other kids in our area. Um, and we built this page and we were working with like sponsors and we were bringing in money, which was something in high school I thought, you know, I'd never 
I never thought that that was possible in high school, making money on, on social media like we were. And it was a couple hundred bucks a month, but it was really, really cool. And it, I think to me, the most validating part was that when we'd send a DM from the account to a football glove company or to a football helmet company or whatever it may be, um, they took us seriously. And, you know, they didn't know right away that we were 15, 16, 17 years old, but they saw what we were doing. And when they found out how old we were, it didn't matter to them because we could sort of show you know, what we were able to do, um, growing an audience, creating a community um, and making or, sh or sharing really, really good content. So uh, that for me was kind of a, a formidable experience because it, it really opened my eyes to what was possible. And, and obviously I've, I've sort of strayed away from the theme page side of things. You know, I still have a handful that are sort of act as personal projects for me. Um, but I think that that validation aspect of, you know, it doesn't matter how young you are, all it matters is the initiative or the uh, you know, the ambition that you have uh, at any point in your life. Um, that's what gets you a seat at the table. That, that was really important for me to learn at, at such a young age. I was thinking about this today. It is. So I, I'll have conversations with people like at, at, at my current job or just family members and things like that. And I don't want to like make this sound like cocky, but I've been told a few different times how like, oh, like you're figuring things out from such a young age. Like you're getting this mindset from such a young age. Right. And I'm 22. And, um, I believe you're, you just graduated. Right. Um, but yeah. the fact that you figured that kind of stuff out in high school blows my mind. Like I social media in high school, you know, it was like, Hey, I'm going to show my friends, uh, what, what I'm doing. Like that, that's all, that's all it was. I didn't even, I don't even think I really knew what marketing was in high school. So the fact yeah. that you were able to kind of figure that out in high school is crazy. Well, you, you say that and you make me sound like I really had my shit figured out when I was 15 years old, but I, I didn't. And I, I think it's an interesting point because I certainly have gotten sort of in the same vein, like, wow, you really have your, your stuff figured out. Um, it, it didn't feel that way, first of all, in high school for me. It just felt like I was doing something that was fun to do. But also, I, people didn't really look at what I was doing on a Twitter theme page that was posting football content as something that was like me having my shit together. Like it, it very much was not like wow, you're really doing it here. It, it was kind of, oh, it's a fun little side project. It's a fun little thing that he was doing. And I don't think whether it be my parents or I remember like my friends, definitely, I did not want to tell them about it because it was, it was almost embarrassing, right? It was like, I spent a lot of time on it, probably a little bit more than I cared to admit. Um, but it was something that I was, the reason I spent so much time on it was because I was so into it. I remember in between classes or I worked at a grocery store and like in between parts of my shift, I'd be you know, looking at how a tweet did or trying to get another tweet scheduled or responding to DMs or something like that. But I, I remember being really kind of embarrassed about it and not from the standpoint of like, it was, it, it wouldn't have been any of the world, obviously, if anybody would have found out about it. But I just remember thinking like, I don't, I didn't feel like I had my shit together. I felt like this was just kind of a fun little side project and maybe a distraction from other things I was supposed to be doing like school or work. Um, so I just think it's funny that you say that because uh, I don't think that those types of projects or, or those types of, of passion you know, side, side, side quests are often seen as like, well, you really have going on. I, I think oftentimes people can see them as like, what are you, what are you wasting your time on? Well, then it's super cool that you can call it a passion. Like, I feel like that's a good indicator that it truly is a passion then because it was, it was really, really fun. So when, if, okay. So if you're saying you didn't have your, your you didn't have it figured out in high school yet. Um, and I mean, I'm sure you'll say you don't have it figured out now either like most people do, but when exactly did you draw that line then where you were like, all right, I'm going to make something happen. I'm going to create a business. I'm going to, you know, do something with digital marketing or social media. Yeah. Well, not for a while. So continue the theme of, I don't have my shit together. I <laughs> ended up 
applying for schools, right? Um, and when you're, I always thought this is, I still think this is crazy now, but when you're 17 years old applying to a lot of like larger schools, you know, state schools like Minnesota have direct admit programs. So when you're 17, 18 years old, figuring out where you want to apply, you know, if I wasn't applying to Minnesota, I had to apply to a specific college implying that I knew what my specific major was going to be. Right. So at the time that was uh, biology and genetics for whatever reason, I think I took a biology class in high school and thought it was really cool and probably mm -hmm. really easy. And I was like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Um, but again, you're 17, 18 years old. And so you, you don't really have an idea. Um, and I, I always think back on it, hindsight's 2020, but thinking that I should have looked at the writing on the wall, like what, what was the stuff that I was into and what was the stuff that I was spending my time doing? Because it certainly wasn't researching new scientific innovations or, you know, watch, even watching YouTube videos on fun science facts or anything like that. It was spending my time thinking about, I live for football, thinking about how we could expand what we were doing to different accounts or work with different brands or different things like that. And then now realizing that that showed a bit more business proclivity than that it did like science or biology. Um, but in any case, I ignored all those signs and I ended up going to school at the University of Minnesota in the uh, College of Biological Sciences and studying biology. And I remember being in my first chemistry class and it was really hard, like harder than high school had ever been for me. And I was a pretty good student. And so I get to college and I'm in this hard biology class or this hard chemistry class. I'm like, I don't care about this at all. And I'm looking around and all these people are really into it and they're spending their night studying. And I'm like, you know, they, they have an end goal. They want to be doctors or whatever they end up being. Um, I don't really know what I want to do. And I don't really care about this. You know, I'm not so passionate about it to make this hard class any easier. And so I think it was like in those first couple of weeks where I'm like, I, I'm in the wrong place and not the college, but like, you know, the wrong major. And so I remember calling my parents and being like, I think I got to change majors. And I'm sure they were like holding their breath. Like, you know, what does he want to say? I, I think it's a typical movie trope where you call it, you're, you're going to follow your passions. And it's like, I was going to run away to Broadway or something, but I'm like, you know, <laughs> I want to go, I want to go study business, which is totally fine. And like, you know, in the, in the traditional parent sense, like totally, Oh, okay. That's, that's cool. Let's go, go switch your majors. So I ended up doing that. And then I think once I, once I did that, I, I obviously felt way more comfortable in Carlson and, and way more, way more like all the other things that I had done in the past were now lining up to a more linear trajectory. And of course, all the things that you do never, you know, it's never like as easy as point A to point B in a straight line, but I felt like all the things I was interested in doing outside of school, all the things that I'd done in the past were finally kind of lining up and like pointing me in the same direction. I'm like, oh, this makes sense. Like all the things I liked doing in high school, all the things I liked doing in college, because I was still, you know, after... I live for football um, ended, which is around my freshman year of high school. I met really cool people in Green Bay where I'm from and like through I live for football that were hiring me to do their own social media work. So like this, I remember this local guy that was selling Green Bay Packers themed t-shirts in Green Bay was like, Hey, this is really cool. What you're doing. Can you do that same thing for me? And I'm like, sure. I think he paid me like 10 bucks an hour, but I was doing that outside of school all the while still thinking I wanted to study biology, which makes no sense now, now that you look at it. But it was like all of those, all of those signs kind of adding, adding up. And I'm like, oh, these are all pointing me in the same direction. And that's when I ended up making that switch. And it's kind of been, uh, kind of been history ever since. Yeah. Very cool. Well, you mentioned how, how kind of like messed up, I think. So this is one of those things where I feel like everyone kind of understands how messed up it is that when you're 17, 18, you're supposed to just pick the rest of your life but no one really does anything about it. And like, here we are even mentioning it, but like in the end of the day, I'm not going to go and try to change that necessarily, which is maybe that's sad, but it's the truth. So maybe like thinking back then, it's like, all right, well, maybe I'll pick biology because you can be, maybe be a doctor. You can probably do something that will get me a lot of money. Like that, that's something that 
to the parents and things, you know, family, that's going to sound good. But if you're like straight off the bat, I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to do digital marketing, at least in my, my family, they're probably like, what, what, what is that? You know? So uh, what about like experiences throughout college? Because uh, like we met through an internship. And so I know you have some experience in corporate. And I believe you have some smaller business experience as well. When did you kind of figure out then that you wanted to do your own thing? Yeah. I mean, that's to answer that second part of the question first, it wasn't really until last summer that I realized I wanted to do my own thing. And I I think I always had, again, looking back at the writing on the wall, I think I always had the proclivity to do my own thing. I think I live for football is a great early example. Um, And like I said, all throughout college, I was just from meeting people. It wasn't ever going out and finding like doing outbound business development. Like this person introduced me to this person who introduced me to this person who they all needed social media services or, you know, it was just organic social media management. I'm like, I can do that. And I was getting paid 10 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour, like a lot less than what I'm making now. And so I think as I was doing that, you know, I realized that I liked it and I realized that I was pretty good at it, but it, it never crossed my mind that I could be doing that full time. Cause I was, I was making 10, 15 bucks an hour. And I, I think at the time I'm like $15 an hour. That's probably as much as I could ever charge for this. And so um, I always was, you know, pretty forward looking at internships and I knew I wanted to work at a company that was, you know, maybe a little entrepreneurial, but I wasn't sure, you know, those tend to be smaller companies, whatever. So um, I had a, uh, an internship in Green Bay at this like smallish, you know, it's probably like 500, 600 employees, um, furniture manufacturing company. Um, and so I worked, I did marketing intern, a marketing internship there. And it was a good first experience in, you know, marketing internship and, of course, there's many things to be said about interning at a smaller company and in a place like, you know, Northeast Wisconsin, which is not very forward thinking and marketing practices. So it was kind of like, you know, you, you made the best of the opportunity and you learned a lot and it was a good thing to put on your resume. But it was, I always, I often thought like, man, I'm, I'm probably doing a little bit more for myself outside of this actual internship than I am in the internship. And like I said, the people you meet are great and the, the formal experience is really good, but when I think about the actual skills I developed, I think I was doing a lot of those on my own, like another freelance work or another theme page work and, and stuff like that. Um, and so after that internship, I, I ended up staying the next summer up in Minneapolis. Um, and I was looking for a job and, and that's when I ended up working um, at Thomson Reuters. And I kind of wanted to work there just for the uh, big corporate experience, because like I said, I, I, I knew I was interested in the entrepreneurial side of marketing and business. And I never in a million years thought I'd be doing what I'm doing now, but I wanted to make sure that that was what was for me and not the, you know, big corporate side of things. And I think that often gets a bad rap, but I mean, working at Thompson Reuters is really awesome and they have really great, uh, you know, amenities and they have great benefits and they, and they pay really well. And um, you can definitely find passion in the work that you're doing there. Uh, and, I, and I think it's a really mission driven company. And so those are all big positives. I knew that going in, you know, I, I knew, that working at big companies like that would afford me a lot of, a lot of benefits uh, in, in that way. So I worked there. It was fine. Again, you can say a lot about working at a big company and you've had your experiences and, and I'm sure you've talked about those, but uh, I realized that it wasn't for me. Uh, and so the uh, following summer, um, which was this most recent summer, the, the summer that COVID hit, I was looking for uh, an internship that was the opposite side of the spectrum. So not big corporate, but smaller startup type and thinking, okay, that's probably the place I'm going to end up. Uh, and I ended up getting an internship with a company called Prep Network, um, which is located up in Maple Grove. And they do uh, high school basketball, high school sports, um, tournaments and events. And they do a lot of written coverage as well. They were started as a website that covered high school boys basketball. 
And it was really awesome. It was like the perfect fit for me. I got to work in sports, which is something that I am super passionate about. Um, I got to do a lot of social media stuff. And I, the, my favorite part was I just got a lot of um, jurisdiction over the projects I wanted to work on. And once I got a project, it was like, it's yours, go run with it. And I really liked that. Uh, and then COVID hit and then the internship got canceled. And I honestly don't think if it weren't for COVID hitting and for that internship getting canceled, I would be working there full time right now. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I, I really like that company. I'm still working with that company. They're one of my biggest clients that I contract out with. But um, if it wasn't for that circumstance of um, what happened last summer with the internship getting canceled and all of a sudden I had to scramble to find work. I was like, you know, I'm out however much money and I'm certainly not going to just sit around all summer and be bored. And so I'm, I'm going to find some work to do. So I ended up patchworking together a couple different opportunities. And uh, one of those was a Facebook ad agency. So I started learning Facebook ads, which I'd never done before. It was really scary for me. Um, and so I just kind of put stuff together and all of a sudden I took a step back and I'm like, oh wait, I'm, I'm like freelancing full time. Like that's what I'm doing. I don't have one job. I'm like, I'm between a couple different clients and I'm, I'm doing this full time and I'm making a decent amount of money, like as much money as I would have made working full time. And this is maybe something that's feasible. Right. And so I, uh, after that summer, I kind of took the, the fall semester to think about it, but in the back of my mind, the whole time I knew like, okay, that's what I'm going to be doing because I love the flexibility of the schedule. And I, I do like working from home and it, like, I like being able to have my hands in different projects and being able to pick and choose who I work with. And so that was really awesome. And so all this last fall was me just, uh, preparing and setting up meetings with potential clients and like, you know, utilizing my network that I'd grown throughout all these years and, and really making sure that I could do it. Um, and it was around like, I would say October, November, where I'm like, okay, I can, I can make this happen. Like the numbers line up, it, I can make it happen. And so uh, I did. And this last summer it was, you know, it was, or this last uh, semester after it ended, I started in January full-time and it was sort of a weird transition because, uh, you know, I went from doing school right here in this room on my laptop to now doing work right here in this room on my laptop. So it wasn't like a huge transition, but you know, all of a sudden it's like, okay, you're on the hook for, you know, everything. Like it's, it's not like a whole lot changed in my life. Like I'm still renting out a house. I'm still buying my own groceries and all that stuff, but it's like a weird, you know, people expect something different of you. And so um, that was sort of a, a weird switch for me, but that's, uh, that's basically how we got here. I, re I don't even remember what the initial question is, but I just went on a, a long diatribe about how I, uh, you know, how I'm now freelancing full time, but <laughs> I hope that answered whatever question that this started off with. Yeah, no, we've been just working your way from high school through college to right. the full time thing. But I feel like I just heard like uh, the classic, you know, 50 year old CEO of a company well established talks about how he accidentally fell into the entrepreneurship world. You know, he got laid off from his, his, his one job or like for you, you know, COVID hit and you like took the L with this job. And all of a sudden you fell into this entrepreneur world and uh, 20 years from now you blow your, your giant and you're giving that speech again, you know, to people that are our age, just telling them how to, how just to work hard and, and get lucky sometimes. And maybe it might not seem like luck at, at at the time, but you know, that's, that's just, that's what that reminded me of right there. Well, I appreciate that. Hopefully. Um, so I guess we'll just continue the, 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 uh, the time frame here a little bit. So sure. can you talk to me about like actually starting a business and like what it's like running a business? You like kind of briefly mentioned it towards the end there. Um, and having like, you know, now people depend really on you for a lot of things. It's not like school. Um, and, not necessarily like getting into like what you actually are doing, but like, you know, what was it like setting up the business? What like struggles there? Like what are positives of it? Things like that. Yeah. So I, it's really crazy to let anybody start a business in this country, um, which is definitely a good thing, but it's also like, there's, there's a lot to 
figure out um, to run a business the right way. Um, and so I think for me, it's really, it was, and it still is in a little bit of a sense, overwhelming just to like start a business. Cause like, it's really easy to do, but then there's a million things after you send over your filing fee to the, to the state to, you know, set up an LLC, which is what I'm set up under. Um, you know, you have to like learn how to pay taxes and do deduction, like a million different things that are really overwhelming after you start up a business, but it's really easy to start a business. Right. So, um, I mean, the process was, I think a little tidbit that I would let people walk away from, like, you don't need to use legal zoom or all these other websites. If you, at least in Minnesota, which is what I've experienced with go to the secretary of state website, um, and set up a business filing. And it's really easy to do through their website. You enter in all the same information. You just don't go through a middleman and you end up paying a lot less for it. So it's just like 50 bucks to file straight to the state. Um, and you don't have to have somebody else do it for you. And maybe they have a fancier website, but it's, it ends up being the same thing, which was something that I didn't know. And I'm glad I did it the way that I did. But um, yeah, I mean, setting up the business was really, really easy. Uh, I think the harder work was the months leading up to this January when I was setting up um, you know, setting up calls with clients and just making sure I had a bunch of things in order because uh, it, I was still in school this last semester. So when I went to people, you know, these were people I already had relationships with, which was nice. But when I went to them, I'm like, hey, I want to work for you in an extended capacity, but not for three months from now. And so that was a little difficult. And it was a little scary talking to somebody in October and November and being like, hey, like, we're good that I can start, you know, charging you X amount of dollars in January. Right. And they're like, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And then like a month goes by and you kind of check in, you're like, we're, we're still good with this. Right. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, okay. Unfortunately, I didn't have anything fall through uh, like that, but it was, it was a lot of work and uh, it took up a lot of my, my mind space to like set up and make sure I was going to be earning a, a equivalent of a full-time income starting in um, starting in January. And I, I definitely hit a, a, a couple uh a couple of road bumps along the way. I, uh, I talked about this on um, Jordan and I's podcast a little bit, but literally on New Year's Eve day, I got fired from one of the, you know, it wasn't like a huge chunk of my income, but it was a, it was a decent chunk of my income. And I got fired on New Year's Eve day, uh, literally, you know, the, the day before I was supposed to start full time. And I was like, man, this, it was like, I think it was sort of the perfect pretext of what I was going to be getting myself into. Not that it's been going poorly, but I think that notion that just the rug could be ripped out from under you at any given time, um, I think was an important reminder for me. Um, and it's ended up working out for the best. And I, I am a pretty strong believer in that just things happen for a reason. I think that was another instance of things happening for a reason, because I don't think I would have had the door open to other opportunities if I wasn't not able to, to do that one. And so um, I, I think that's been a really positive lesson that I've learned that you just have to be flexible and you just kind of have to operate on your toes. And the, the, the reason I got into this was because I like the variability every single day and I like the ability mm -hmm. to choose what I'm working on. But there also is another side of that coin that there are, there is uncertainty, but you know, I remind myself that there's uncertainty in everything that you do. And I almost feel like I'm in a bit better of a position where, you know, if one person gets fired from their um, job at Thompson Reuters, let's say that's all of their income out down the drain. And, and I think a lot of people kind of realize that over uh, the pandemic, over the pandemic was that there really is no such thing as certainty. So for me, I think it's nice to have my hand in a bunch of different pots. That way, if one goes down, it's not like the whole ship sinks. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I, my older brother runs his own business and I actually started one in January as well. And it is kind of, it is kind of interesting how easy it like actually starting the business is. But then like you're saying, it's, it's a lot of complicated stuff afterwards. And there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. And I don't think people really realize the amount of hard work that it really does take 
for sure. Right. Um, I did have a friend actually who um, started a, a, a business. I don't remember when, but he had like mentioned to me something about using legal zoom. And I was like, Nope, don't do that. Like, no miss, miss that. So last business focus question. I, I, uh, I actually did write this one down. So I'm curious about it. What, what's the plan, you know, do you like, we talk about like vision of a company. What's the plan 10 years from now? Five years? Like, do you have anything like that kind of figured out? Where, what, like, what does winning look like for, for you and your company? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So this is a great kind of continuation of the last question because in all that time leading up to the start of January to, to you know, make sure I was earning a full-time income, I didn't put any thought into what my next six months would look like much less my next five, 10 years, I was very focused on making sure in that first month and that second month that I was going to have enough work to do to, to make enough money. And fortunately that has been the case. Um, but unfortunately that hasn't really afforded me a lot of time to think about what the next five years looks like, you know, much less the end of the year. I, I sort of have an idea of where I want to be by the end of the year. Um, I was smart enough to write some goals down at the beginning of the year, but man, in terms of five to 10 years, um, I, I think it's difficult for me to say, I, I have a couple of clients, um, prep network being one of them that they kind of make a run at me every couple of months wanting to see if I want to come on full time. Um, and I think that's sort of the first question that I have to answer for myself is like this freelancing lifestyle, the, the thing I want to keep doing, or do I want to kind of end up with a prep network or with a, another company that I, that I work with full time. And, and I think right now, the answer that I'm giving a lot of people is that I, I like what I'm doing. I like being able to freelance and I like being able to contract. And I, I really like being able to have flexibility over the, the clients that I work with. I think that's my, my biggest perk right now is that it just happened this week where a new client kind of came on my radar and um, I was really interested in working with them and interested in the subject matter. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. And unfortunately I kind of was at the point where, you know, at capacity where I had to cut out um, one of the smaller clients that I was working with. And, you know, we did it in a, a, a very um, amicable way and it, we both walked away all the better for it, but that sort of flexibility, being able to say like, yes, and, and no to, to things I think is um, really, really cool. Um, in terms of the next five to 10 years, I don't know. I, it's the thing that keeps me up at night. I think um, at least by the end of this year, I would like to just have a proof of concept where I'm like, okay, if I put my head down and if I work for a year, I can make X amount of money and I can, you know, be, be well off for myself. And I think I honestly surprised myself with, with how much I have the potential of making, um, just because I, I think I just underestimated what I could charge. And then I think my prices were probably a little too low in the beginning. Um, but in terms of the next <laughs> five years, um, I, I think it'd be really cool if I could start um, scaling up a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, how many people I have working with me. Um, so early on, I've already had to hire somebody to, to help me um, just do some very simple social media scheduling, not more than like five to 10 hours a month. But um, even that stuff was something that happened a lot quicker than, than I thought. So I think for the next five years, I think 10 years is kind of a long way to look out, but for the next five years, even a couple of years, at least, I'd love to be able to have a couple people that contract with me, maybe even work with me full time, um, that I can kind of delegate some smaller clients to, or some smaller tasks to, um, and really open myself up to work with uh, clients that come across my radar that I'm like really passionate about. Like this already happened where there are projects that I really, really want to take I just don't have the time to take them because I'd have to, I'd have to supplant a huge chunk of the, of the work that I'm already doing. So I'd love to be able to uh, have that flexibility and I'd love to be able to um, work with it, work with a team that's able to take some of that workload off my plate. Um, so I could focus on some of the higher level uh, things that, that I think I'm really good at um, some of the higher level thinking and, and strategy that I think I excel at for my clients. 
um, and, and, you know, be able to have that liberty to, to say yes to more opportunities. Yeah. Well, then eventually it could turn into, you know, and something that you would probably have to just think about if you, if you get to this point or when you get to this point, but it eventually could turn into a situation where you're more managing as opposed to actually like doing like the social media work and things like that. But going back to, uh, you mentioned kind of like figuring out what exactly it is that you want to even do. I do. I remember when I worked for a startup, they hired a lot of contractors just in general, because kind of the opposite way where it was a way for them to like test out employees too you know, like hire a contractor on for six months. And um, so I think that's something just kind of cool to point out, but I, I would love to talk about social media more specifically now. Um, and so I, I apologize up front if I ask more like Instagram and Facebook related, if, if the things I ask are kind of like, you know, more in that realm, sure. uh, that's probably just my, like uh, my, my stupidity, I guess, when it comes to social media and not knowing everything, but um, I, Let's see, where, where should we start with social media? It's pretty big. So one of the biggest like initial questions, I'm, I'm curious and about your opinion on this. Um, with social media, I feel like it's, especially when you're starting a business, you have to really be okay with getting terrible results, like not great results, getting a lot like low engagement and things like that. So I'm kind of curious, do you think it takes a certain, A, do you think it takes a certain like mindset to handle that? Or is it something that you kind of just kind of have to, grow into and develop and then B, I'm curious like what your take on that is in general and how you may handle that for a uh, a company because I know like for me all my social media is fitness related stuff which is like what I love and so it's like okay I'm creating stuff and uh if, if, if it doesn't do well it's like cool I have it for myself but like for you if you're creating stuff for clients that maybe maybe you feel super attached to all of them but you know maybe you're not like what, what's it like then? I kind of threw a lot at you there. So I'll just yeah. let you, I'll let you do your thing. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to deconstruct it. So I, I would say the first thing I, you're totally spot on with that first point you made where when you're starting even in just a new account, regardless of it's, if it's for a business or for a personal, like whatever it is, um, it's a daunting task and it's a very thankless task. Right. Um, and definitely with a lot of my clients, um, even ones that have a decent base of following um, that aren't, don't have very engaged followings. It, it can be, it can feel like you're just treading water and you're not doing a whole lot. Um, that's a, that's a totally legitimate feeling. And I, I think a lot of people are probably scared away from doing social or spending money on social because they are worried that they're just going to fall into that trap. I would say one, it's, it's not hard to gain the vanity metrics on social media. So when I, when I say vanity metrics, I mean things like followers and likes and comments. Those are sort of the big three that are outward facing metrics. Those are the things that everybody can see. Um, and those are the things that I think people are too often focused on increasing um, at the expense of some metrics down the line that are actually going to impact your business or impact whatever you're trying to do. So the reason I say it's easy to increase those metrics is because there's a million strategies that 15 year olds in their mom's basements have used to grow these sports theme accounts or these <laughs> fitness theme accounts to hundreds of thousands of followers, right? Um, and I, I think any goofball with a with an Instagram account and an internet connection can can do that. I, I really truly believe that that if you're just pestering enough and if you just you know have enough time on your hands that you can grow one of these accounts to have a pretty big following. I don't think that following means much in a lot of in a lot of senses. I mean, I know this firsthand. I run um, currently a, a page called Five Star Football, which is just a, another football niched theme account, um, and it has a ton of followers and it gets a ton of likes and it does pretty well in terms of growth. But I would never feel comfortable putting a T-shirt together and selling it to these followers because I, I don't think they're a very engaged set of followers. And, and it's not that they don't engage with my posts. I just don't think they care about my brand. And I actually am gonna 
drop a video on, on Instagram here in the next couple of weeks about like one of my biggest failures on a theme page, but hint, it's just sort of like what I just said, where, you know, I tried to make stickers or something and um, I tried to sell it and it just didn't work. And I, I failed to realize that these people aren't following your page because they like your branding or anything like that. They're just following it because they like the content that you post and you're just kind of a commodity to them. And so I think that's a trap that a lot of people can fall into with their own personal pages or their business pages that all of a sudden your page becomes commoditized. Um, whether you're just posting generic inspirational graphics or you're posting stuff that's the same as anybody else, like you're a commodity in the ecosystem of Instagram. And especially if you're small and you're trying to compete in this commodity market, you're not going to see any results. You know, you're not, if you post inspirational quote, you're not going to see any likes on it if you're just getting started because everybody's posting inspirational quotes. Um, that goes for any niche across any social media platform, whatever. So I think that's a trap firstly to avoid falling into is trying to get caught up in those vanity metrics where likes and comments and uh, followers rule your world. Those are going to come later and you're not going to want to increase those at the expense of metrics down the line, like your engagement rate, um, you know, your, your website clicks, your profile visits, your ability to share content, your ability to rank on um, whatever explore algorithm um, style feed that platform has. Uh, those are all going to be hurt if you're focusing on, on these metrics, uh, these vanity metrics early on. So I think that's, that's, that would be the first thing that I would say. Um, the, the second thing, the, the way to kind of avoid that um, is one, to make content for yourself and for your ideal audience, not for likes. Uh, I think you said it pretty well, Jake, when you talked about you're making it because you like it. That's awesome. I really subscribe to the idea of this audience of one theory, where if you think you understand at a very base level who your ideal um, audience member is, whether or not it is you and you think that there's just a bunch of yous out there that would like your content the same way you would, um, or whether it's you just have a really strong idea of who your ideal audience member would be. I think creating content for that audience of one is really, really important. If, if you over and over again are hitting the same type of person um, with really consistent content on a consistent basis and in a consistent style and tone, uh, I think you're going to have a lot of success. Uh, I think that's regardless of what niche you're in, how saturated your niche is. I think if you're doing that over and over again, um, you're coming up to bat consistently. I think there's, excuse me, you're going to have a lot of success down the line. And, and that might not be success in form of followers or likes, you know, in thousands or hundreds of thousands, but um, you will brick by brick, brick be laying really strong uh, foundational pieces for a community that's going to be really highly engaged, uh, much more apt to share your content, click to the stuff that you have linked later down the line. Um, and I think that's the stuff that's going to service businesses or personal brands um, a lot better than focusing again on those early vanity metrics. Yeah. I feel like that's just marketing in general too. Um, and people have this, you, know, you can use social media for what you want to do and use it however. Right. Um, but it really, to me has become such a marketing tool. And I think there's a lot of like disconnect there where people just don't understand that. And there's almost like, you know, there's, there's this, like the suite of people that look at, you know, you or I maybe, and they're like, well, I guess you're a little different because you kind of are a birdie you know, solidified yourself more, but they're like, okay, another, another fitness dude trying to, you know, become the next million follower person. Right. They look at that way. And then there's the people that are kind of like, okay, let's look at social media for what it could be used as. Let's look at it like as a marketing tool and how we could really grow this platform just, or any platform in general to be so much bigger um, and change our mindset on how we're really using it. Um, and it's, it's also interesting because you mentioned um, audience of one. And even if you're not using social media for like a business or something, I feel like most people who use it for personal use are still trying to 
grow an audience, grow engagement likes. And, and like, then it's really just an ego thing, right? Like, it's just at that point, it's just a matter of getting the likes and stuff to feel your ego and then go, you know, do it again the next week. Right. So it's, it's just a really interesting, um, like divide almost there. And so how do you, I guess, kind of going off of that, do you have like personal, um, Instagram accounts as well as like, um, like, cause I know I follow Tyler Webb LLC, yep. I guess what it's called. So yep. you have a personal account too. And then how do you like kind of separate the two? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I do have a personal account. I actually, so I'm Catholic and this is the time that we uh, recognize Lent in the Catholic church. Um, and so one of my, usually in the church, what you, you do during that 40 day period that starts a couple weeks ago and ends on Easter is you give something up or you, you know, do something better. It's basically like new year's resolutions for 40 days. Um, and one of the things that I was doing, and I was probably going to do this regardless of a Catholic holiday, but, um, was giving up my own social media platforms. Um, and I think a lot of people, when I sold that, they're like, isn't that what you do for a living? But, um, you know, I'm still able to be logged into my clients accounts on Instagram. I was able to delete Twitter, totally delete Facebook, totally. And do a lot of that stuff through my computer. Um, but for me, it was, such a, it was turning into kind of a bad habit of opening my phone and just kind of scrolling um, and hitting refresh over and over again. And I was kind of up interrupting my workflow during the day and it just was never productive. And it became a nasty tick basically where if I was bored or sitting around for too long, I'd, you know, pull up my phone and, and scroll something. So that's been a good pattern interrupt for me. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, I, usually I do have my own social media platforms. I'm definitely not as, um, I'm definitely not putting as much attention into those as I am, um, as I am to my clients or to some other projects that I'm working on. And that's for sheer lack of, I don't really care. I think when you, when you see how the sausage is made on a daily basis, you kind of realize that it's all facade and none of it really matters. And like, you know, chasing likes is only going to be something that you do again the next week. I think, again, you put it really well where you're like, you, you do that only to do it again the next week. And so for me, it's not like, you know, I don't get that same dopamine hit as a lot of people probably do because I am desensitized to the max of like getting any gratification from getting likes, you know, like on five-star we could do, we got to real do 250,000 likes and a million views. And it's like, to me, that's like, okay, what's the next post we're going to do? Like, that's nice. And that's really, really cool. But what's the next thing we're going to do? So I think having that mindset over and over again, kind of, kind of ruins personal social media for you, to be honest with you. And, and so for me, it's just kind of a casual, something I consume. I really do think it's helpful to understand things that are going on, current trends that are going on, but yeah, it's, it's not like something that it's not like some white whale I'm chasing for my own um, personal gain. And I think you brought up the, the Tyler Webb LLC account, uh, which is a fun little project I'm working on now. Um, and that one too, like I'm, I'm trying to grow it and it's sort of going to act as a case study for me on, on personal brand accounts. Um, Cause there are some clients that I work with that it's not their business, it's themselves. Um, and for me, those have always been different animals, but I'm trying to grow my own so I can see if I can actually do that for other people. Um, and putting out content like that is just, again, a good outlet for me to do stuff like this. You know, I, I love doing stuff like this and being able to talk uh, shop with anybody who's willing to listen. So if I can put that out to people and people get any amount of gratification or information out of it, that's just a bonus for me. Hell yeah. I, I'm pretty shook that you don't really use social media much for personal, for personal use, or at least anymore. You know, I feel like, <laughs> I guess, I don't I can't have a good example off the top of my head, but I feel like if you tell someone that they'd probably be like, what, if you literally use social media for all of your businesses and you're not really using it yeah. for personal use. I actually um, created uh, my, my Instagram. So it was a personal for like, you know, years, right. Back mm -hmm. in middle school or high school, whenever I created it. And I completely just 
tried to switch that into my like business account, um, which is that the right thing to do? Probably not. Cause I had a lot of followers that, and I've kind of seen this happen that they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't give a crap about you anymore right. now because of that. But did they ever really care in the first place? That's a different conversation. Um, but it's like caused me to eliminate the, a personal use account. Just like, I just don't really have it anymore. Like, so now I kind of have to only post things about fitness and wellness and things like air my niche. And it's kind of like, it's opened me up in a way, which has been nice because I, I haven't been using social media like I once did, but at the same time, I'm also kind of still doing the same habits. You know, I'm still, I'm right. still, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, I don't care about likes and comments and things like that. Cause that's just, that's not true. Um, and if anyone, you know, if anyone said that completely, they're probably lying in my opinion, but cause I still like open up constantly and I'm like, okay, now I'm just looking at fitness stuff. Like, you know, and I'm still doing the minus scrolling and things like that, but uh, I, I'm curious, you know, you've, we've both said a little bit, it doesn't really matter about likes, it doesn't matter about engagement um, to a certain extent. So how do you measure success on social media? Like what, what do your clients want to see? Is it just about like, okay, how many leads are coming from these channels or like what, what goes in there? Yeah. I, that's really the million dollar question for what I do. Uh, I, I think my biggest struggle recently has been, or the big, the thing I've been thinking about most recently is showing what my value is um, to clients. I think a very high level and a very early on conversation, and I've, I've been fortunate not to work with clients like this, but if you have to convince somebody to even use social media in the first place, you know, they come to you and they're like, why should I even be spending money on Instagram? Why should I even have an Instagram account? That's like, that's a whole different conversation, but I like to relate it to a billboard or a TV commercial. You know, I, I think a lot of people's problems with social media, organic social media, is that there's no proof of return. You know, you can spend however much money on a social media manager on somebody making content for your organic channels, but are they really clicking your website? Are they like, you know, there, there are things that you can measure a little bit, but you know, once they leave Instagram, it's hard to track them through organic social. Um, but I like to relate it to a billboard or to a TV commercial. It's like, you know, what are those things really doing for you? Is somebody seeing, you think somebody sees a billboard and climbs up and then gives you a call? No, probably not. It's, it's, brand building and it's brand awareness and it's, you know, just having a constant presence um, and a constant voice. And I think that is kind of where I'm settling now on the value of organic social is like, okay, it's, it's important that, you know, for the followers you have now, you keep hitting them with, with the same um, consistent style of content and tone and, and, and niche um, type of, of content. I think that's really important. But then for people that have never seen you before and coming over, it's equally as important for them to see what you're about. And it's important that you have a library of, of content um, backlog where they can see uh, what you're about. They can see that you've been doing it for a while um, so that you can build up a rapport really quickly so that when you go in for that sell, when you go in for that transaction, it's not so transactional. You know, it's not so much like, oh, hey, you, you saw this one piece of content that's kind of the only piece of content I've ever done with that. Hey, would you like to buy this thing? It's like, no, you know, this is something that I'm passionate about. This is something that I'm an expert in. Um, this is something that I've been doing for a while. And you can see that through this backlog of content that I've been doing for weeks and months and years. Um, and it builds authority and it builds um, personality. And I think those are all really important things when I look at uh, doing social for my client is, can we build a consistent, um, can we put content out that, has a consistent tone, has a consistent voice and portrays a consistent uh, personality. Because at the end of the day, uh, and I think about this a lot when, especially you're doing like B2B type stuff um, and a little bit B2C, but you know, people are, people want to interact with real people. Um, and I think brand pages are really good, but you even see now the trend of, of brand pages adopting a very unique, distinct um, personal style tone. And so I think it's just really important to make sure you have uh, that tone established and that you're doing it consistently. 
uh, because that's going to be your differentiating factor. That's going to be the thing that gets you to stick out. Um, and if people can recognize that, and if people can be like, Hey, I love your style. I love the way you do things. I love your content. Um, that is a win for me in, in my clients. And of course there are ways that we can measure that. You know, that what I just explained is a very anecdotal thing. It's hard to measure like consistent branding or, or something like that. Well, it's but like, it's like community building basically hundred percent. Yeah. And so, you know, we can measure that through how often we're posting, you know, we have posting goals and, um, we want to make sure, I think a big thing, instead of measuring specific follower numbers or like numbers, it's measuring trajectory. So for me, it's really important to show that before we started working together, you were doing this and now we're doing this and let's see what the trend line is between those two points. And we want the trend line to be up to, into the right, you know? And so, um, for me, like really tactile measurements are like engagement rate, um, which is just how many people are liking and commenting on your post, um, as compared to who follows you It's a simple division, uh, equation. Uh, another big thing again, is that trajectory of growth. Like, are we gaining followers on a regular basis? It's not so much about hitting a certain amount. It's just like, are we gaining followers on a month on month basis, um, is another really important thing. And just like, again, you mentioned community building, like just making sure that we're getting comments, making sure that we're, we're responding to comments, making sure that we're getting DMs, responding to DMs, uh, making sure that we're posting stories and people are replying to our stories or interacting with them. Um, that's just all stuff that makes a really comprehensive brand um, and makes a really strong brand and, and persona on, on social media. And that's what we're going for. So it, it's not like something that ever can be achieved. It's not like you can ever check off like, okay, we've, we've done it. We've built a persona online. That's something that's going to have to happen every single day. And, and that's why people hire me, right? It's because I make sure that it happens every single day and it, it happens in a consistent way and it, it gets done in the most effective way. Um, but yeah, to answer your question very shortly, it's, it's about measuring what you said, community engagement, um, building a personal brand and doing all that stuff consistently um, in a consistent style tone and showing up every single day to work. Okay. So what, I, I'm curious, what, what about when that's not working for you specifically? What do you do right. then? What if people aren't swiping up? What if people aren't commenting on LinkedIn posts? What, you know, what do you do? Yeah, I, I, that's, that's tough. I think uh, I have a client right now who we're, we're just not seeing the type of interaction on social that I think that we should be seeing, especially with the, the quality of content that we're, that we're posting. So um, I think the first thing for me is trying to sort of find um, like trying to exploit where attention is on social media right now. Um, so this client in particular, I think we could take better advantage of TikTok. We're going to start taking advantage of TikTok. I mean, that's, that's free organic reach. So you, you just kind of have to hope that um, that stuff can jumpstart the, the other platforms. Um, another big strategy that I'm trying to implement right now with this client, with some others is trying to get just organic cross collaboration. Um, there's a lot of, I know the power of theme pages firsthand. There's a lot of really big, uh, just niche pages, whether it be a photography or whether it be location-based that, um, they're always looking for content. You know, I, I understand what their struggle is, which is finding really good, high quality content. Um, and the clients that I work with, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to partner with a really talented videographer by the name of Jordan Lindell. Um, and he does great photo and video work. And so we make really high quality content. So it, it's not a far stretch to think that pages like ones that are based in Minnesota or pages that are focused on showing really cool real estate listings um, would want to post our kind of content. Uh, and then hopefully they, they come over to our page and kind of see, uh, see what we're up to. And I think the last thing that we try and the thing that clients are always a little uneasy about um, is putting money behind social media, like paid social. Uh, I think that's for me, at least was a dirty word for a while. I'm like, Hey, if you're good enough, you should be able to do this stuff organically without any money. But the unfortunate part is that is just not the incentive of these social media platforms. You know what I mean? They, 
there are times where you could be doing everything right. And you might just still be fighting an uphill battle for whatever reason. Um, and I think that that paid part of it is going to be more and more prevalent as these platforms start shifting their algorithms. I mean, we saw it, I think first with Facebook, I think there's some crazy stat where if you like a Facebook page or follow a Facebook page, um, only five to 10% of the audience is actually seeing that post show up organically in their feed. So it's very clear that these, these companies are incentivizing you to, you to pay to play, which is again, a bummer, but you got to learn how to use it. So I think you got to go where clicks are cheap and clicks are going to mean the most for you. Uh, and so, you know, that means paying for ads and for one of our clients, we're going to do that on YouTube because a lot of our uh, content is heavily video focused, especially longer form. So we're going to focus on doing video ads and, and driving people that way. I also do a lot of work in, in Facebook ads and that carries over to Instagram, of course. So I think, uh, you know, I think that's sort of the last thing people want to do, the last thing people want to consider, but I think we have to start accepting it more and more as common practice and, and what I do as like a organic social media manager. Um, I think for a while, those, those worlds were different. Like, Hey, if you do organic management, you do organic management. If you do paid, you do paid. And those things don't really mesh, but we're going to come into a world where they're going to have to mesh and you're going to be kind of looking up a really steep hill unless you put some, some, some money behind it. And it doesn't have to be a ton of money, but it, it might have to be a little bit of change that you, you put to kind of get your account a jump start. Wow. I really hope this video, or I guess this isn't a video. I hope this podcast uh, goes viral so that all the uh, all the managers out there that think social media isn't a big deal will listen and be like, okay, holy smokes, social media, there's a lot to it. There's a lot. Yeah. People just don't realize it, you know? I, like, I'm like i blown away by the amount of people that I feel like still don't understand how beneficial like social media is in the world of marketing. It blows yeah. my mind. Yeah, and I, I don't even think, I had a really interesting conversation with a guy that works at a creative studio um, or like a branding studio and they don't even do social media management. They do a lot more like web-based SEO stuff. Um, and I, I didn't even know him. It was kind of a happens chance that we hopped on a zoom together. And he told me like, people aren't looking for somebody to post three times a week for them. Like anybody can do that. Right. And anybody can do that at a really good level, at a really high level or at a really low level. Like that's not, that's kind of a, that's kind of a commoditized skill at this point. But what people are looking for is like direction and creative strategy and, and different things like that. And so I think at a base level, more and more people are understanding the importance of social media. They just don't know what the hell to do. And they don't know where to, uh, they don't know where to put their focus that, I mean, and think about it. If you weren't your age and you were somebody that's older and you weren't native to social media and you heard about reels coming out and TikTok coming out and LinkedIn ads, like, would you, would you know where to spend any of your time? I would, I wouldn't, I, I, I have the benefit of growing up. We have the benefit of growing up with this stuff and, and learning, learning as it comes out. If you have to jump into it, you have to jump into an environment that is already really complex and it's, it's changing every single day. That that's really overwhelming. And so people, I, I think people intuitively understand more and more that it's important to do this kind of stuff. They just don't know where the hell to start. And I think that is what I, you know, have to realize a little bit for my own business is like, you know, I'm not, I, I, I can't squabble with people over how many times a week I'm going to post for them like that. That's whatever. If they want me to post three times a week, five times a week, eight times a week, that's fine. It's where I'm going to, make my bones is going to be in, in directing people and, and, and showing them what the right strategy is and where they should be putting their money and where they should be focusing. Cause at the end of the day, that's only going to save them money, not burning it, trying a million different things. Um, and it's also going to spend their money in a, in a much more effective way. So, so yeah, I, th I think to, to counter your question, it's not that people don't understand the importance. I, I think they just don't know why, like where to look, where to start first. Yeah. Okay. I guess that makes, that makes sense. 
Um, I, uh, I won't say what experience, but I definitely like basically what you just said and not knowing like there's this, there's this, you know, we have LinkedIn, we have Twitter, we have YouTube, like what, what do I do if that? Right. It's very true. Well, I guess you could also argue that that's kind of true with anything. And that could be like a company, uh, that could be a company like specific issue. I mean, that could be like, uh, sure marketing in general, but like think bigger too, like it doesn't have to be just social media. It could be just like confusion on like where to put resources anywhere in the company. You know, you know what I mean? Well, and, and that's why you hire anybody, right? Like if I wanted yeah. to make a sandwich, I could go make, I'm sure I could learn how to make bread myself, but it's just a lot easier for me to go to the store and pick yeah. it up for a dollar 79 a loaf. Right. So yeah. same thing with these people can do social media themselves. And I think thankfully we're finally getting to a point where people realize, yes, they can do it for themselves. Yes. It could be cheaper if they do it for themselves, but if you don't know how to do it, you're going to waste a lot of time and spend a lot of money instead, you know, why don't you go hire a professional? I didn't, don't mean for this to turn to an ad for my services, but I think it's something that <laughs> I've realized that I'm more and more passionate about where it's like, you know, I, I finally think people that run social media accounts are being respected a little bit more. Cause I think for a while it was sort of seen as like a kid's thing. Like, Oh, Hey, if you get an intern, like he'll just be able to figure it out, whatever, or she'll be able to figure it out. Uh, but I think more and more it's seen as like, a, a, something that one is, is necessary. And two takes a lot more skill than just, you know, kind of passing it off to some 16 year old and because they know how to do it because they're young. Yeah, for sure. Um, so last social media question, I'll be respectful of your time. So I guess we, I could have probably started with this too, but you know how podcasting goes. Can you, I'm thinking of like the big, like the big accounts, like LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Can you just very briefly for the person listening right now, that's like, Hey, I'm new to social media. I don't know where to start. Which platform should I use? Could you like very briefly just give a rundown on what benefits each platform will give you? Yeah. Or why so you should quick. use each one? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I would say it kind of breaks off into two camps. If you're somebody that's trying to build a personal brand, sell a product to a consumer, um, build a theme page, something like that. I think the best place that you can go to get organic reach is TikTok, 100%. I don't think that's an unpopular opinion at this point. It is the only platform where you can post something and you have zero followers and get 80,000, 100,000, a million eyeballs on it. Uh, I think it's a no-brainer that TikTok is the sort of the best bang for your buck, just not even in terms of spending ad dollars, but just in putting your time. Uh, and I think on the other side, if you're more of a, a B2B person, um, you're somebody that is even trying to build their personal brand for the sake of full-time employment, um, I think LinkedIn is really, really good. It's, it's not as great as it, as it was. You know, it's not like a LinkedIn of a year, a year and a half ago, where you could literally post something and get 5,000 views on it or, or 50 likes on it, something kind of insane like that with, with very little following. But it is, um, the organic side of LinkedIn is still really, really powerful. Um, and so if, if you're on that side of, you know, more professional, you know, think suit and tie, I think that's where you should spend your time and, and spend your effort. Um, I think from there, it kind of gets to what your brand tone is going to be, um, what your objectives are, what your objectives are with your brand, where you spend your time next. Um, I think the logical place to, to be is Instagram. Um, I think they still have a very powerful explore page um, that has still a very uh, easy enough to understand algorithm. Like there are still things that you best practices that you can implement on Instagram where you can assume under a, a fair enough like margin of error that it's going to go viral or it's going to reach a non-organic audience, right? Because at the end of the day, um, when you take a step back, social media to have a lot of success, it's about reaching new people in a very specific target market. Um, it's something that I, I think I've talked about before, but you know, having 
sustained success on social media is about not so much about reaching your audience. You know, it's important not to neglect those people that already follow you, but it's about reaching people that are just like them that don't know you exist yet. So I think Instagram is kind of the next best place to do that. Um, and then I think from there, it just kind of like, you know, Facebook is, is fine, but like I said, it's more of a pay to play platform. Um, I think it's still decent for community building. I think it has the best infrastructure. If you have a solid community already and you want to put them somewhere, you know, you want a place for them to interact with each other. I think like Facebook groups, you know, Facebook page is a really good place to do that. Uh, I think Twitter is really, really good. I, I think there's been kind of an interesting resurgence of Twitter, to be honest with you. Um, I think early Twitter was kind of like the wild west and anybody could go viral on there. And it was like, people were a lot more willing to throw out retweets and throw out likes and stuff like that. I think it's kind of stepped back a little bit, but I, there's been an interesting rise. And I don't know if you're a Twitter user, but these kind of like parody accounts that are very persona built, you know, I think of somebody like a Caucasian James um, or like a million other accounts that are like people or like, you know, I put quotes around people because they're kind of just personas or parodies of individuals um, that just post really funny text things. And they play much more of a, of quantity over a quality game, right? Like they're firing off 90 tweets a day. And it's not like on YouTube where you're putting one piece of content every couple of weeks. Um, they're, they're going for the, for the quantity over quality game. But again, that's, that's more dependent on what your brand is. Like for them, that, that totally works. You know what I mean? It's, it's something that is going to be quick hitting viral. It's not something that has like a strong call to action or anything. It's like they're building a brand, they're building a voice, they're building a persona, um, and they're doing it for a very specific audience, you know, probably an audience that's younger, um, an audience that doesn't really want to be sold to as much as they just want to be entertained. Um, and so I think that's where Twitter has its place. Uh, but again, I, I think when you come back to it, you have to think where can you get more eyeballs that don't know you exist yet on your content um, for the fewest, for the, for the easiest, in the easiest possible way. Uh, that wasn't eloquently said, but I, you get the idea that it's about finding these, these new eyeballs. And I think LinkedIn and, and TikTok for whatever side of the coin you're on um, are the, probably the two best right now. Awesome. Very cool. Um, if it's cool with you, I know we're, we're approaching our time. I have two questions I'd like to ask. And I lied. One of them is social media related, but the other one is, uh, is a uh, completely 180 of what we've been talking about, but I'm curious. So no, go ahead. first one, then if we can just cap off the social media conversation, um, three tips, what are they for the audience? Three tips for social media. Um, yeah. I would just say in general, yeah, yeah. We might retread some things that we already talked about, but I, I do think they're important. So that's why I'll repeat them. Um, I think one is that idea of um, creating for an audience of one. I think it encompasses a lot of things. One of those things being making sure that you have a really solid idea of who the person you're creating for is. Um, and I think if you're creating for them over and over and over again, uh, you're going to have a lot of success. The whole like trope that content is king, I think is still correct as much as you try to gamify these social media algorithms, I think if you make solid content and you're doing it over and over again, you're gonna be hard pressed not to have at least a little bit of success. And I'm not talking the millions of followers, but I'm saying like having people that follow you that matter and that care about what you're doing. So I think knowing who your audience is and creating content for that audience is really, really important. Um, I think the second thing is making sure that you're doing what you do consistently. Um, I, consistency is a graph that spikes at the beginning and just plateaus out um, at the end. And so I think making sure you're doing what you do consistently. But the second part to that is making sure that you're setting yourself up in a way that you can be consistent. Uh, I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to post daily on Instagram or I'm like, whatever it is, um, you know, if that's not possible, like don't set yourself up for failure from the get and make sure that whatever you're doing, uh, you're doing it consistently, but you can also do it consistently six months from now or a year from now or something like that. Uh, I think the, the third thing is understanding uh, 
where you can get is goes back to the conversation we just talked about, but understanding where you can get the most value for the content that you're creating. Um, I think a lot of people will get frustrated because they're putting content out to nobody. They start a new account, they have zero followers and they're just putting content out to nobody. And it can be really good content. I agree that content, you know, good content will win in the long run, but if you're putting it out to literally nobody, uh, you're not gonna have any success, right? And so I think that uh, understanding where you can get the best bang for your value, uh, best bang for your time is gonna be, uh, is gonna be really, really important uh, and making sure that you don't burn out and you don't lose sight of, of what you're doing because I, I think it is important that you see results in what you're doing. I think that's just intrinsic to human motivation is that you're getting a little, you know, you're getting a little bit of food every time you, you ring the bell. And so I think that uh, if you can set yourself up to, to win in that sense, and there's a million different strategies that you can use to kind of, uh, to kind of do that early on, to kind of get in front of new eyeballs early on, uh, I think you should use them sparingly. I'm talking about like follow and follow and like, you know, you should never buying followers or, or things like that. But I, I don't think it's a bad thing to be following people or to be like, you know, networking with people and be like, Hey, you know, do you like my content? Do you think you could send people my way? You know, some people are going to say yes sometimes. Um, but also understanding then like where you can just get the best organic reach and understanding places like TikTok, LinkedIn, those are really good places for that kind of thing. Awesome. Yeah. I, I want to echo number two. Uh, as well. And just like, I've never heard that consistency graph reference before. So yeah. I thought that was a good way to put it. And we never talked about Airtable or anything. So um, I'm, I love that tool. So I'm just going to plug that and yeah. you can use that for like scheduling and things like that. Uh, and then there's also like, I use Hootsuite, but I know Sprout and you can go listen to uh, listen to Tyler on a lot of different platforms and hear him talk about all of his favorite. I know you have like specific, a specific podcast I listen to episode that I listened to that you talked about different platforms to use and stuff like that. But before I have you plug everything that you're the billion things that you're uh, involved with, um, I'm really curious. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are curious, how the hell did you get so good at talking? Like, I feel like there's like zero ums, there's zero ahs. And like, I, like, I don't know. I'm just really curious. Like, is that just something that do you, have you always been good at talking? Like, I feel like you just have the podcast voice and discussion everything down well no I, I i really appreciate that and i know i'm already going to go back and listen to this and kind of pick myself apart and be like ah, tyler you ramble i i know i rambled on a couple times throughout this so i appreciate yeah, the compliment I mean, like, with a podcast that's that's a good thing so you, like, you know right. like it's a conversation but i am interviewing you you know so yeah, it's yeah. like for sure um i I think for me it has just been a combination of having a lot of confidence and probably in times where I just shouldn't have a lot of confidence. But I am a, I am a strong believer in fake it till you make it. I think that's been very evident throughout everything that I've done. I mean, all the way back from I live for football to now, you know, I, I had no business talking to the brands that we were talking to during I live for football, but it was this kind of probably faux confidence at the time that got me in the door. And I kind of realized like, Hey, like this, this works. If you talk loud enough and you, if you talk with enough conviction, they're going to believe what you're saying. And if, and for me, it's been, you know, obviously not lying about what you're able to do or not misrepresenting what your, what your skills are. But if you remembering that you, you, you do have skills. Um, and I think this is honestly a great place to leave the conversation, but for a really long time, I thought things like I live for football or any other theme account that I ran little side projects that I had, I thought they were just worthless in the traditional sense. I thought that people weren't going to respect what I was doing and see the things that I was doing as like real translatable skills to the quote real world. You know, I thought when, I was interviewing at Thompson Reuters that they weren't going to respect the fact that I had done a Twitter account like I had done in high school. You know what I mean? But I think for me, there was a 
turning point, probably somewhere in the middle of college where I'm like, hey, the things that you're doing outside of a formalized education or formalized work experience are important and are making you a more desirable candidate and are making you a better person and believe that and believe the work that you're doing and believe the results that you're, that you're getting um, and kind of negate these thoughts of having imposter syndrome. I think that's a really real thing. Um, and believe what you're doing, believe in what you're doing. And that way other people will believe in what you're doing too. Because I don't know if there is a direct correlation between somebody running a Twitter theme account in high school and being where I am now. But I do know that I was able to every step along the way, convince people, uh, and prove to people that what I was doing was going to benefit them. Um, and I think having that confidence in what I was doing kind of translated into how I spoke. And, you know, again, whether it be just because I have a, a louder speaking voice or a little bit more outgoing that people believe me, it worked. And I kind of got to where I am now. So I, I like leaving people with, with that is that, you know, believe in what you're doing and, and that will help other people believe in what you're doing as well. Awesome. I love it. It's beautiful. Uh, plug yourself. Give me, give me Instagram pod, make, make sure to tell me or tell everyone the podcast as well, because yeah. I personally love it. So Awesome. Any, well, thank you. Yeah. So every, every week we haven't done the past couple of weeks because Jordan and I have been really busy and we need to talk about what we need to do with the podcast, but the swipe up is the name of the podcast. Um, it's Jordan Lundell, who's a really talented videographer in Minneapolis, myself. Um, we work together a lot. So we talk a lot about our own work experiences. I really like to sell it as a conversation between two freelance creatives. Like we're both trying to figure it out together. Um, and if you're in that world, I know for me, like I would just love to hear a conversation like that and be a fly on the wall in a conversation and hear what people in those positions are talking about and the struggles that they're having. Cause again, this imposter syndrome thing is real. And if I could hear and relate to people's issues and hear what they're going through, I think that'd be really settling and really entertaining. That's what we made it for. Hopefully if somebody's in that position, they can get the same thing out of it. Um, I post a lot now on my Instagram account, Tyler Webb LLC. If you want to work with me, if you want to get in touch with me, that, this is how Jake got me on the podcast. So I'm pretty responsive there. I'm going to respond to messages there. And then on LinkedIn as well um, is, is where I'm really responsive and, and post a lot of my work as well. And, and again, those are places where jumping off points for if you want to see my portfolio, you want to get in touch with me to work with me. I'm very responsive there. Awesome. Well, thanks a ton. This has been great. This is a lot yeah. of fun. No, awesome, Jake. I appreciate it. I had a, I had a blast. <laughs>